You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to the Man Coverage Podcast. I am your host, Mike Payton of Pride of Detroit. Today, we've got a very special guest, somebody that I go way, way back with. We're talking sideline report, way back to the beginning of of my career. This guy has been with me step by step until recently when he left me and broke my heart. (laughs) We've got Pro Football Network's Kent Lee Platt with us today. Kent, welcome to the show. Hey, Mike. How's it going? Yeah, it's good, man. It's good to see your face. It's been a while. Uh, you're off in the big times now. And, uh, you know, I, I'm glad that you're still thinking of the little people. Well, I'm, I'm still one of the little people, man. I, yeah. I, I can't I can't stray too far. Yeah, it's uh, well, yeah. I mean, how, how are things over there in Pro Football Network? How's that going? Good man. The company's the company's been building. Uh, it's been getting bigger um, and expanding. I, I do a lot of back end stuff with them. A lot of analysis. A lot of a lot of number stuff and math stuff and some coding. Um, it's been a nice change of pace. You know, it, it takes some pressure off when you're not writing. But I've enjoyed it so far. That's awesome, man. We'll certainly talk about a little bit about that. We're definitely going to get into the RAS metrics and all that stuff, but. Uh, you know, let's kind of go back in, in time a little bit because, I, I you know, I, I want the people to get to know who, who Kent is and uh, who this math genius is, uh, the guy who the guy that I need need to go to all the time to ask how percentages work. Uh, <laughs> so, Kent, uh, start us off, man. Uh, tell, tell us about yourself and, and uh, you know, your upbringing and, and uh, how you got into the Lions. Yeah, for those those who haven't haven't followed me at all, you know, I've been I've been writing about the Lions since since right right before Stafford was drafted, so 2008 2009 time period, perfect time to jump into Lions fandom post 2008. Um, I did a lot of a lot of writing by myself. I, I did a lot of stuff in message boards. You know, we didn't have as many strong, robust blogging sites as we have now for our team. Uh, Detroit's very fortunate to have a very strong media network among fans nowadays. Um, I, of course, joined Sideline Report at some time. There was some Mike guy there who was pretty cool. Um, yeah, we jumped ship and we jumped ship and went over to Pride of Detroit some years back. And until about May or June, May or June this year, um, I wrote there. And now I'm over doing my analytics stuff. Uh, I started doing RAS back in 2013. Uh, I built a zero to 10 uh, metric to compare player athleticism. Very easy to understand. The idea was that it was, it was uh, understandable for casual fans and, and pros alike. Um, it's been wild, man. I, I did uh, interviews with the New York Giants and Miami Dolphins official radio stations this past draft season. Um, I was quoted in five other teams, uh, official draft sites, official team sites. So it was it was pretty fun starting to get a little bit more traction and and hopefully it's going to be even cooler in in 2021. Now for the for the people who don't understand what what the what Raz is, I mean, explain them to uh, explain that to them in you know sort of layman's terms. Sure, the idea is it takes any player's metric and it compares uh, like a player's forty time or a player's height or a player's vertical jump. And it compares it to that player's position group from 1987 to their draft year. So my data just goes back to 1987. Um, It doesn't go any further back, and they weren't even doing the combine that much further back. I think they started in 85, I think. But um, all it does is compare it, and it puts it on a 0 to 10 scale. Anybody can understand 0 to 10, 0 bad, 10 great. 
Um, it takes all those numbers and creates a composite score, which is a player's RAS, their relative athletic score. It's relative because it's relative to all the other players at that position. Um, obviously, the, the athletic and the score part kind of self-explain themselves. But um, yeah, the idea is just to put a zero to 10 number on athleticism. It's not a way of saying this guy is good or this guy is bad. It's just looking at testing metrics and saying this is how athletic he is compared to his peer group. But more often than not, I mean, the athleticism score, you know, the higher, the the better, uh, you know, the player winds up being a better player, the higher the RAS score is. I mean, that more often than not, that's probably correct, right? Generally, you know, more than more than 60 percent of pro bowlers have been above eight. So the top 20 percent of athletes are 60 percent or sorry, top 60 percent of pro bowlers are among the top 20 percent of athletes. Um it's it's an even higher number. I think it's like eighty something percent are over five, which is average. So it's it's a it's a huge uh, indicator of success in the NFL um, when you start looking at any any success metric, whether it's Pro Bowls or receptions, receiving yards, number of sacks. Um, I keep trying to expand that every year, trying to find different ways to look at it. But the numbers stay pretty routine, regardless of which which number I'm using. So how did you uh, devise all this? I mean, what, what's your background in math? It, you, you clearly have some sort of specialty with numbers. Yeah. Where does that all start? So I was a cryptologist. I was a cryptologist in the Navy for, for eight and a half years. And uh, it's, it's all pattern recognition stuff, right? But cryptology is not an easy subject to explain to people. And believe it or not, explaining the combine isn't all that easy to explain to people. You know, you, you'd sit down. I'd sit down with my dad or my mom I'm going to be watching the combine because I'm a nerd and I love watching the combine. And, sure. you know, some guy would run a four or five, five and they'd be like, okay, well, is that good? It sounds good. He looked fast. It's like, yeah, well, you know, he's a receiver. That's kind of okay. It's not great. If he were a defensive end, that'd be amazing. You know, and I was trying to find a way to quantify that, to be able to say, you know, for a defensive end, a four five, five is going to be like 9.5 or something like that. It's going to be in the 95th percentile. But for a wide receiver, that's going to be right about average. It's not going to be very high because receivers are a lot faster than defensive ends. So I was just trying to find a good way to to make it understandable for people who aren't as familiar with metrics, don't have huge databases of, of all these things. Um, because I got sick of I got sick of people saying like guys like Le'Veon Bell were unathletic because he ran a four six forty. But he was like a 240-pound running back who ran a six, I want to say a six, eight, seven in the three cone, which is just insane for any running back. He could have been 50 pounds lighter, and that would have been a crazy uh, three cone. But that's not unathletic just because he ran a four six, slightly below average for a running back. Who cares? He he had really good metrics elsewhere. He made up for it with other things. And putting a composite number on that really wrapped that into a nice package and allows you to to, to say confidently. This person is athletic. This person is not without just relying on one individual metric. Yeah, it seems like the combine itself is is a bit archaic in, in the way that it's sort of set up. I mean, you, you watch a guy run the 40, as you mentioned, Le'Veon Bell, who's 40, wasn't that great. And you assume that that guy's not that great. So his draft stock drops and you, you know, if you're a scout, you're assuming that that guy's not great. So when with, with the Raz, it, it's definitely... I mean, I think all the teams should be using it because it definitely shows uh, who who's athletic and who's not uh, based on a, co- a composite of all the drills instead of the, the the fun ones that everybody likes to look at, like the 40-yard dash. Um, so, I mean, I think ultimately this could help teams draft better. Uh, and 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 it could, you know, it could ruin some people's careers, but it could help people <laughs> draft better. Um, so you said you, you said you've spoken to some teams about maybe using the the RAS metric? Um, I've spoken to teams. I can't state which ones. Um, The very brief time the XFL was here, I worked directly with the XFL on on some of their scouting stuff. Um, I was also not not supposed to talk about that, but they're gone now, so I guess I can. Um, uh, Very briefly, the AAF AAF was the same thing. Uh, I've talked to CFL teams. I've, I've talked to quite a few people. Um, and it's, it's mostly casual conversation from, from team scouts and, uh, not even really executives, just, just people that are in positions to be like, Hey, this is kind of neat. Every NFL team has their own metric that they use. 
whether it's their own composite metric or something that's that's shared amongst several different teams or, or organizations, they all have something that they use. Raz is just a, a more easy to understand for fans version. And because I put everything publicly, everybody can go look at it. All, all the team stuff is private. They don't want anybody looking at their numbers and trying to figure out how all that stuff works because then people can plan for their, their, uh, whatever their, their tendencies are. They can look at their, what they're going to draft, what they might draft and start to pick up on it. Um, what's funny is using things like Raz, you can kind of find out what some of those are looking at teams like the Packers. The Packers will draft super athletes everywhere except tight end where they're just kind of like, yeah, whatever, you know, <laughs> they care. Um, the, the, the Ravens, the Ravens love having super athletic linebackers. They don't care about it so much on the end. Uh, they don't care about it at running back as much. Uh, but they really like having really athletic wide receivers. They really like having really athletic li- uh, linebackers and interior defensive linemen. Um, the Steelers don't really care that much about athleticism on offense, but on defense, their linebackers have been among the most athletic in the NFL for a very long time. Um, the Eagles is the easiest one. The Eagles uh, offensive line has been the most athletic in the NFL for like 15 years right. straight. So, you know, some teams have tendencies that you can follow. And once you know what those tendencies are, you can kind of pick up on who they're going to target when they're up in the draft. And the Lions apparently don't seem to care about athleticism at all. If you followed my like four hour long thread yesterday, I, I highlighted some of those trends amongst individual GMs. Uh, Matt Millen, um, he cared about athleticism way more than he should have. Like he would overdraft guys by three or four rounds because they were athletic and that was it. And then later on in his tenure, he kind of learned, maybe I should listen to my coaches, but he also couldn't hire coaches. So it didn't really work out for him. Martin Mayhew loved his small, slow corners because he was a small, slow corner when he was a player. Um, He loved unathletic linemen. Um, And then uh, Bob Quinn loves super athletes with his first pick hates athletes with his second pick all, all but one of his second round picks i'm pretty sure i have to check one almost almost all of his second round picks were just well below athletic thresholds uh jelani tavai was tease tabor obviously was Ashawn robinson was um the two running backs were above average but not like elite tier athletes they were just above average so they all have their tendencies and it's it's hindered the lions more than it's helped us with those tendencies so, so how does uh, Raz wind up translating to helping uh, EA Sports rate players on Madden? So they didn't use uh, the composite metric for that part. Because I post everything that I find, it's all publicly available information. Um, I, they're able to go out and look at what those players measured, what their 40 times were, what their vertical jumps were. And they, they had that immediate immediate ability to look at it and go, okay, that's that's in this percentile. He's probably pretty explosive. That's in this percentile. He's probably not very explosive or very fast or whatever. Um, it allowed them to get, to get a very quick look on it. And I know from being a developer, that's my, my day job. I'm a developer. You know, time, time is a huge deal. And being able to do stuff earlier is much better than getting a spreadsheet uh, a couple of weeks before you need to be completed and trying to fill it all in after the, past, after the fact. Having it all ahead of time allows you to go in and fill out that information beforehand, test it, try out different things, see how it looks. Um, I think that when, when they did that, they mentioned it last year. I'm, 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 all those guys still follow me on Twitter. I'm sure they're still doing the same things, but um, you know, it, they were mentioning more about being able to see that stuff immediately as it happens, getting a jump on it and being able to go out and look at it and, and finding guys to go look at. Because if you hear about a guy who's some super athlete, like Bobby Price, who was who was just activated the Lions roster last week, nobody knew who Bobby Price was. And he's some small school safety from Norfolk State, right? Norfolk State, I think it was. Right. Um, you know, they're not they're not he's not going to be on anybody's radar. But he was a ridiculously good athlete, and he was testing really really well, verified at a time when most people were putting out just garbage tape and saying, "Look, I ran a four four, and it's like an eight second video." him running a 4-4 um this this year has been my nightmare hopefully next year is much much better um don't trust anybody's tape if they release it themselves <laughs> yes uh that is one of the things that i have learned since since getting into writing is that people start sending me tape so yep. dude i i can't help you i'm not gonna write an article about you i'm sorry <laughs> man i'm just not gonna do it 
uh, and I don't know any scouts to send it to or agents <laughs> or it's like, come on, man. Um, or there's the other thing, I guess, is the when agents reach out to you and ask you to write about their clients, which is another. Please yeah, don't agents, do that anymore. <laughs> agents have been one of, because I because I do all this stuff as early as I can. I have I have a very wide net of, of people that I contact that have contacted me, and it includes a lot of agents. Um, you'd be surprised when you when you tell somebody that the information is confidential, and then you don't talk about it. Right. You, you don't breach that confidentiality with them. You'd be surprised how open a lot of agents will be with you about their clients. You know, you get I, I at first I would get a lot of guys being like, oh, you need to watch this guy. He ran a four three. And then I'd watch him and I'd be like, that is not a four three. I'm not going to talk about that, you know. But if you provide some of that feedback, back, and you being me in this instance, I would provide feedback back on guys that I would watch. And I'd be like, yeah, you know, I know, I know that teams are really going to like his size because this is, a, you know, I, I had one guy last year who was, was uh, six, six, five, 275 pounds. Um, he had really long arms, didn't test all that well. Um, but I wasn't just like, yeah, he's, he's not really worth my time. Ultimately he would go undrafted, but you know, you look at it and you're like, you know, what? I know the lions like guys like this. And they come from that Patricia uh, Belichick coaching tree. That means the Dolphins are probably going to like him. The uh, Packers tend to have those types of players on their roster. Uh, San Francisco 49ers have defensive linemen that fit in that mold. You know, it's just bantering back and forth and being like, you know, I'm not sure what I can do with it. But I know that there's teams that look at those individual traits. Um, Sometimes guys just test like crap. And their agents will, will generally be like, look, I know there's not a lot there. Give me an idea of what I'm working with. Um, I get a lot of stuff now, uh, three or four months before the combine, and it'll be like, here's what he's testing at right now. Are there any areas I need to work out? Now, I'm not a, I'm not a personal coach, and I will always tell them I'm not a personal coach. I know personal coaches. You can talk to those people if you want help with that stuff. But I can give you the numbers now and tell you what it looks like at, by the numbers, right? Um, and then – They'll go take it back. And sometimes that player will actually improve at those things. Um, I try to keep, I kind of try to follow up on all that stuff as much as I can. Um, a lot of the agents are really cool parents. So you'd be surprised how the, how parents were parents of, of players fall into only really two categories, which is awesome or awful, right? They're either, they're either, uh, what was his name? The Michigan state tackle went to Tennessee camp Conklin, Jack Conklin. Um, not not dissing him at all. His his dad, when I posted about uh, Joey Bosa playing against him, uh, Joey Bosa only had like two snaps against him because Bosa played on the other side. And he went off on this big rant about how awesome he was. And it's like using that as proof. And it's like, it's, it's not proof that you're going away from him. He plays on the opposite side. He just still played on the opposite side. Like they played exactly how they do normally. That's not, that's not proof of anything. Um, and then I'll have, I'll have something like uh, I had a tight end come out two years ago who they didn't, the, the school that doesn't release their, their pro day results. There are some schools that don't release pro day results until much later. We get them, we get them almost right before the draft. Um, but his dad texted me and was like, Hey, here's, here's his metrics. Feel free to post them if you want to, you know, I, I would gladly do that because I'm, I'm okay with posting numbers that I get because I don't store them if they're not official results. And I put unofficial on there if they're not official. Um, and that specific one ended up being exactly what the results were officially from the APT scouts. So it, it worked out. Some, some parents are really cool. Same thing with players themselves, although they will usually give you whatever their best number was. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, luckily I haven't had to deal with too many parents. Uh, maybe one, maybe one. Outs- yeah, I'm not going to say the guy's name, but it's you know he's a tight end. Uh, his parents were not very nice to me. Uh, uh, other than that, we'll just keep on moving along here. So uh, <laughs> leave Mrs. Hawkinson alone. No, I would never. I would never. It was David. Slo- it was David Sloan's parents. They just hated me. David Sloan's parents. No, it's not David Sloan. Uh, it's not David Sloan. I think everybody knows who it is, but it, I don't need to say it. Uh, so, so just off the top of your head, you know, as we kind of get to the to the end of this segment here, you know, do you do you know who the who has the best Raz ever? 
and uh and, and counter to that do you know who has the worst um the best raz ever because it's it's varies by position it, it's going to be a little bit different i know one of the most untouchable razes ever has been calvin johnson um right. calvin johnson just is one of the best athletes to ever play football at any position um and that's not knocking just ridiculous athletes like uh miles garrett and uh you know guys guys like cam newton cam newton's probably never going to get touched either you know, it's, it's not knocking those guys. It's just that you, there have been other crazy good athletes at those positions. Just very rarely are they crazy good athletes at their position and also huge for their position, right? There aren't a lot of supreme athletes at wide receiver who are 6'5", 235. There just aren't many. You get a lot of guys that are, are 6'2", 215, who are crazy good athletes. You get a lot of guys that are like 5'10 and 200 that are crazy good athletes, but not a lot of guys that are 6'5", 235. Very, very rare. That's why when Chase Claypool was coming up really close to Calvin Johnson this last draft class, it was so fun for me because nobody gets close to that number, right? Nobody gets close to that average. So it was a lot of fun. Worst athlete, there are so many. Um, I throw out a lot of numbers that are, that are unofficial. Um, as I mentioned, if I don't have it verified by a certain point, I just scrap it. Um, I don't, I don't store that stuff because there's no point in me doing that, but I know the worst one ever was officially recorded, but it was not an actual NFL prospect. It was a, a player who had snuck on to one of those joint practices. I think it was Arkansas. This would have been 2018. Um, some schools will have several small schools come to their school to do their pro day with them. It's very, very common. Uh, Michigan does it with, with uh, Toledo sometimes when Toledo isn't able to have their own. Um, a lot of the smaller schools, Ferris State will go to some of those ones. You know, school, smaller schools will go to larger schools. Um, one of the this, – this guy who thought he could play, um, he, was, he was 5'8", 165, and claimed he was a cornerback from some small school. Uh, he ran a 5'3", oh. and it was not his worst metric. So oh my that'll, that'll tell you how the worst one looked. It was, it was awful. Yeah, you can't be an NFL corner running 5'3", and be 5'8", and 150 pounds. Yeah, man. Oh, that's, you're not jamming anybody. That's a problem. You're not no. doing anything out there. Um, anybody of note, they, though. They do groups. Um, of any, note, any my bad razzes of note. Oh yeah, my my favorite one is is Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry measured at the combine on a bad hamstring, which players should never do. Um, and because it, it limits your ability to do basic motor functions efficiently, so running, jumping, turning, changing directions, and things, it's very limiting when you have a hamstring injury. Players shouldn't measure on it. He did, and he wasn't a great athlete to begin with. Um, I think his official res at the time, I'd have to look it up. It was like 0.06 out of 10 or some crazy number like that. It was, it was very, very low. And uh, it, if you were to uh, put, put together an amalgam of the best receivers with the worst metrics, five out of those 10 metrics are Jarvis Landry. So <laughs> it was not great. All right. No, it's really not. <laughs> Yet he continues to get paid. <laughs> but, he does. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to have to – I know people don't want to do it, but we're going to have to talk about the Detroit Lions, uh, the current day Detroit Lions. But first, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Man Coverage Pod. We've got my friend Kent, Kent Lee Platt today. Kent, well, the Lions lost on Sunday, as you know, against the Green Bay Packers. But uh, a few things stood out to me, and I kind of wanted to talk to you about it. You're somebody I think would uh, would have some good opinions on this. Uh, yeah, they lost. But you know what? They looked competent out there. They looked like a team that had a plan, and for the most part, that plan was kind of working. Uh, am I crazy to think that? 
You're not. Um, I, I think we've been a little bit blinded by how bad Matt Patricia has been over the last full season. So last half of last season till he got fired this year. Um, this team against the Bears looked very – or against the Packers, rather, looked very similar to how earlier Matt Patricia stuff had looked. It was a very hard-fought team. They were always keeping themselves in games. They were keeping it close against teams. They had no business keeping it close against. Um, and it was very much like that. It was it was a team that was trying to win, even though they didn't really care if they did win all that much. Uh, and they were doing so with a slew of injuries. I mean, this this team is pretty rattled right now when it comes to players that are hurt. You know, we've got our first round pick is down. Our second round pick just came off of illness. Our third round pick has been injured. Several of our big name free agents are down and on IR. You know, we've had a really rough year for injuries, but the team keeps trying to do their best to win. And draft folks be damned, you still want your team to win. You still got to be able to lure free agents. You, you can't you can't tank in the NFL. So, you know, it, it was a team that was trying their damnedest and they, they tried some different things, but ultimately just, there's just a lack of talent and the coaching ability specifically on defense um, and a little bit, a little bit on offense just isn't there to, to compete against top tier teams. Yeah. You know, I think the thing for that I really took away from Sunday's game was a few weeks ago, you know, uh, Thanksgiving day, and before that, it, things were looking really bleak for the future. And and in some ways, it still is. Obviously, the Lions have a lot of work to do. They're going to probably have to rebuild that defense from, from top to bottom. But I came away from Sunday's game thinking that it's not going to be as bad as I thought it was going to be. And that there are some bright spots here for, for the future. Uh, and if I'm a, a GM uh, or head coach and, and uh, I'm looking to come to Detroit, I'm maybe thinking that things are not so bad anymore. I'm thinking that this rebuild, which it probably will be, is not going to be as bad or take as long as maybe I had previously thought. What what do you think? And that's part of why you don't ever give up in games, why you always try to win, even if your team only benefits from losing. You know, the the Lions have a lot of pieces and they have a lot of things that they can work with. John Penasini is our sixth round rookie and he came in a, a, an undersized nose tackle. And he's been one of the best defensive linemen on the team this year. That's crazy good. You want to have lower, lower ranked, cheaper guys that are going to be potential uh, rocks on your team. You want to have guys like DeAndre Swift coming out and showing out what he can do. Um, I don't like that they're throwing to, to Mohamed Sanu and Danny Amendola as much as they are. That doesn't help the team that much as far as as trying to build up and develop guys. Um, But you want to see your guys out there and the guys that are out there are doing their damnedest to win. You know, Mike Ford had some moments out there. That's a guy who's been clawing for his spot on the roster since he got on the roster, which was a surprise several years ago when Mike Ford made the roster. And all he's done is fight tooth and nail to keep that roster spot. And he's managed to, and he was fighting. He was out there fighting for a job. And, you know, um, any guys you have out there that are doing that, you want to see that. You know, Miles Killebrew still got that special team spot locked down. Will he in 2021? Who knows? You, know, you want to have guys out there trying to do something so that you can see something going forward. And that's really what you're looking for. You know, do we have a featured piece in TJ Hawkinson? Do we have a potential uh, full-time running back in DeAndre Swift? Uh, is Frank Rag now the best center in the NFL or just the second best center in the NFL. You know, we've got to figure these things out. So we know that. (laughs) Yes. It's nice to not have a problem at center. I mean, Frank Ragnow and Taylor Decker have been just unbelievably good this season. And uh, it, it, it's great. It seems like the lions have uh, a good offensive line uh, set up for, for the future. Um, who, who are they going to be uh, blocking for? That's the big question right now. And, and that's something I want to talk to you about as well, because I think, you know, we do this every year. Uh, it's the end of the season. The Lions are not playing so well. I guess it's time to trade Matthew Stafford. Uh, I, I just, for me, I don't see that as a possibility. I, I don't think Matthew Stafford is going anywhere. I wrote a column this week. It's, this is going to come out on Wednesday. We're recording this on Monday, so it's not out yet. You haven't seen it. No one has but basically, my thought process in that column is, why, why would you, why would you, first off, if I'm a new GM, I'm coming in, uh, I'm going to have to rebuild this team. Why would I want to get rid of the one thing that I don't have to rebuild? 
and pay that one thing $24 million to play somewhere else. Uh, so it just seems it, it, it seems just crazy to me that that any GM uh, or head coach is going to want to get rid of this guy. Where do you stand on it? Yeah, this is where it gets a little tricky, because if, if you and I were to have this conversation any year prior to this year, the answer would be obviously no. There's there's no way the Lions are going to trade Matthew Stafford. They're not even going to entertain the thought. They're not going to look at drafting a quarterback early because there's no point in it. But we're, we've reached a point in Matthew Stafford's career where that conversation has to be had and potentially can be. Um, is it going to make sense for the Lions to draft a quarterback this year and trade Matthew Stafford this, Stafford this year? No. He's got, as you mentioned, a huge cap hit still. They do get some cap relief for it, which is a thing that they've never had before, an actual cap relief situation for Matthew Stafford. Um <laughs> But it's not enough that it makes it worth paying him to play elsewhere because you still have to rebuild your team. There still has to be a quarterback on your roster playing quarterback, right? Um, right. You, you, can't, you can't get rid of him, I don't think, in 2021. Now, drafting a quarterback in 2021, that's a different conversation because whether or not you think Matthew Stafford stays in 2021, you need to look at quarterbacks in this draft. It's, it's just a thing you have to do because you're looking at rebuilding again and Matthew Stafford has had what four head coaches, right? Three head coaches: Schwartz, Caldwell. Yeah, this would Trisha, be the next Apple. one. Would be four. Yeah, yeah, not counting interims, right? So, and right. and even more offensive coordinators. You know, he's he's reached a point where he just is what he is, and that's a very good quarterback. But you don't build an NFL franchise around a really good quarterback. You, you build a franchise around an elite tier quarterback or an elite defense. And the Lions are so far away from that. I think we can scratch that entirely. Um, yes. But they, they need to rebuild. And how that rebuild happens is where it's going to start getting interesting. Because if they draft a quarterback in 2021, that doesn't mean Matthew Stafford's getting traded. Uh, it doesn't even really mean he's getting, getting traded in 2022 even though the, the cap release would be significantly higher. Um, it just means the team is ready to move on. They understand the reality of trying to rebuild in the NFL. They're looking forward. So it's it's going to be something to keep a very close eye on. But like you, I don't see Matthew Stafford trading in 2021. Yeah. And I guess I look at it the another way I look at it. And, and, and by the way, you know, you're right. I mean, the Lions should definitely draft a quarterback in this draft, especially – you know, if you've got a guy like Zach Wilson or Trey Lance or somebody who's who's there, they're not going to get Trevor Lawrence, obviously. They're not going to get Justin Fields. It's not going to happen unless one of those guys should happen to drop. We could lose um, every game it, between now and the end. They're not going to get those two. It's, it's not going to happen. Uh, but you you could uh, you could take those guys and develop them. And, and there's a lot of great examples like Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers that will show you that if you sit these guys in and develop them over time, you're probably going to get a good – you know, good product off of that. But I guess my other theory that I've been sort of working with is, is the lions are, I think everyone is looking at the lions right now as buyers. Like, yeah, they're going to go out and buy a new GM, but really I think they're going to have to sell themselves to a new GM because everything has gone so horribly wrong. And the roots of this team are so badly broken that if I'm a prospective GM, I don't know if I want to go to Detroit. I don't know if I want to be the next guy who who tanks this team and, and potentially ruin my future prospects uh, to, for another GM job or really any NFL job. I mean, I, who, who knows if Matt Patricia ever gets another job again outside of New England or Bob Quinn do. So I look at it, if I'm the Lions and I have to sell this team, Matthew Stafford is my number one selling chip. I mean, he's... You you could use him based. That's really that's the only thing you have. You have Matthew Stafford, you have DeAndre Swift, you have a couple other things, a great offensive line, but really you can sell to a new GM, a new head coach that hey, we've got a quarterback here who's ready to go, and you could build around him and build a, with your future quarterback. But uh, I, I just really don't. I just I don't know why you would get rid of that. I, I just to me that's that's hard. I don't know. You know, I've been a huge Matthew Stafford supporter our whole the whole time he's been in Detroit. I meant I, I started writing just before the Lions drafted him, and that was my first year covering the draft. And I loved Matthew Stafford. He was one of my favorite college players ever. I love Matthew Stafford, and I love him in Detroit. But I don't think he's the number one selling point here anymore. 
I think a GM coming in isn't going to be looking just at Matthew Stafford. He's, he's a selling point. We're not, we're not saying he's off the table. Um, But I don't think a a GM is coming in here and thinking I can build my team around Matthew Stafford anymore. I don't, I don't think that's what this new GM is going to be thinking. I think a new GM is going to be looking at this team as a whole and they're going to see guys like TJ Hawkinson and that offensive line. And they're going to look at teams like Tennessee. They're going to look at teams like Baltimore and they're going to say, we can build a team to run from our, our run game and our tight ends as either primary or secondary receiving threats. And we can build that team outwards. Uh, if the Lions were to bring in somebody from the Andy Reid coaching tree, he's not going to be looking at, at just Stafford. He's going to be looking at Hawkinson and seeing if he can do something like he did with Kelsey. Um, if Robert Sala comes in from the 49ers, he's going to be looking at that and he's going to be thinking about if he can run anything similar to what, he, what they did with Kittle. Um, they're going to be looking at some of these other guys and what they can do with them and having a strong offensive line, or at least a, a strong foundation for an offensive line. Cause it's not all there, but <laughs> it's got some really strong pieces. Um, having that to build from, that's going to be really enticing to some GMs. Now having no defense is going to be really problematic. And I think that's why you hear so much about Robert Sala and why as many teams as are going to be looking at him as a top option, why he fits so well here in Detroit is a lot of the pieces here in Matt Patricia's Bel- you know, Bill Belichick tree scheme are, are similar players to what Robert Sala's defense in the 49ers uses, particularly in their secondary, but also their defensive line has a lot of similar players. Um, their linebacking core is completely different, which should make Lions fans happy because our yeah. linebacking core is awful. Really so bad. getting away from some of those tendencies and bringing in some new players to fix that that would be awesome. But it also means they don't have to rebuild everything. And that's that's part of what could be enticing for him to come here. But I think having a, a strong offensive line and the potential to build a run game with a, a play-action type of, of passing game is more enticing than just having Stafford. I don't think he's the primary selling point. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I, I guess, I mean, you know, you got you got to have somebody who can run that play action, <laughs> and Stafford. We know we know for sure that Stafford on play action is. I mean, that's where it's at. You know, when that guy can do play action, it, he he usually is pretty successful. But yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, I I think I kind of agree with you, and but I sort of disagree still because quarterback is the you know the number one thing, you know, the big key position that every team needs to succeed, and the Lions have that which I, I, I think is, is, a, is a good selling point for somebody who wants to come in and, and rebuild. You don't have to rebuild at the most important position, at least not right away. It's, it's something that you can you know, look at to the future. So you being the draft whiz that you are, uh, right now it looks like the Lions are sitting at the 11th pick, um, and you're on the board. You're the GM right now. Who are you picking, Kent, with the 11th pick? So I, I, I have my own opinion, but I actually just finished running 50 draft simulations for, for a project. And I've got, I've got 16 different names here. And okay. I, would, I would actually take a couple of these guys. Um, the big names that I'm looking at are still going to be quarterbacks, though. If Zach Wilson falls out of the top 10, the Lions have to take a look at him here. He's the third best quarterback in the draft, in my opinion. If he falls that far, you got to take him. Um, I I have some worries about Trey Lance uh, and whether or not his game can translate to the NFL, um, particularly as a passer. But having Matthew Stafford here to let him learn for a year and seeing what happened with Patrick Mahomes um, and to Lamar Jackson to a lesser extent and seeing even after Josh Allen's awful rookie campaign, seeing what you can do with a guy that needs time to develop. If you can actually develop them, I, I think Trey Lance has to be your other option there. It's going to be quarterbacks for me there. If you can't get a quarterback, it, it's either got to be a wide receiver um, or somebody like Zayvon Collins, who's just a ridiculous athlete. Um, that's a bit high for where I would take Zayvon Collins, but uh, Michigan fans, Quidi Pay is on there also, and I would I would probably consider that as well because he's a great pass rusher and a stupid athlete. Um, but for me, it's going to be one of those two quarterbacks, a wide receiver like Jalen Waddle or uh, Rondale Moore if he passes medicals, um, maybe Devontae Smith. Um, I know I'm naming like 47 people. I would take one of the quarterbacks. That's that's okay. my official answer. 
Sure. I, you know, I'm again, because I'm such a Matthew Stafford slappy, I suppose I'd probably go with Waddle there because obviously, you know, right now, if the season were to end today, the only wide receivers that are under contract are Quintez Cephas and Geronimo Allison. Yes. Geronimo Allison is still on this team. Uh, I still love I still love that article that they wrote on him leaving, which was just about how awful he was. Yes. Oh God. Uh, so yes, uh, I I don't think Kenny Galladay's coming back. It's gonna suck to see him go, but that guy is pretty much gone. If you ask me, uh, Marvin Jones is probably gone. Danny Amendola is probably gone. So you gotta replace the receiver. And with Waddle, you can get a guy who can at the very least create some separation, which the Lions receivers are not capable of doing. Uh, even Kenny Galladay has a really hard time creating separation. He just is a very good contested catcher. Um, if the Lions don't go that way with Waddle, I mean, what what situations are out there for, for receiver? Yeah, Rashad Bateman's a tough one, man, because he's such a great receiver when he's able to play. And he's just... Well, there's two parts to it. He's a great receiver when he's able to play. His quarterback is not a great quarterback. Um, He has a lot of Kenny Galladay to his game in that respect, in that he does so much with so little help. Um, But honestly, I would go slightly different there. I think this this receiver class has some depth to it. Um, I would start looking at guys like Kadarius Toney out of Florida, not in the first round, but in different rounds, and trying to get some damn speed on offense. Go go hard to the opposite direction from what the Lions have right now. Whether we get somebody from the Andy Reid tree or not, take that concept of getting receivers that have speed, that are dynamic with the ball in their hands, and just get them out in space, spread people around, and get some get some area out there. You want to you want to throw your contested cra- catch crap? You still got T.J. Hawkinson there. Jesse James is probably still going to inexplicably be here. Um, you've got guys that can catch in contested catch situations if you need to, but get some speed and double and triple up on it if you have to. Like you said, our our depth is gone. We have none. Right. So get some people who can who can run. And worry about those high-risk passes. I mean, high-variance passes are high-variance. You throw deep, there's always the risk you're going to just slightly miss it. And at that distance, it's an incomplete pass. So taking a guy who might have drops issues, I'm I'm okay with it if you at least get some damn speed out there because it's already high-variance. Yeah, speed, separation, the things the Lions receivers uh, don't have and the things that Lions receivers need to have. So – before we get out of here, do our next segment here, our final segment with a put you through the lightning round. Gun to your head. Who's the Lions head coach next year and why is it Braden Coombs? <laughs> Gun to my head, Braden Coombs is not the Lions head coach. I do believe that he will stick around as special teams coach. I think he's the only coordinator right. that sticks. Um, I think it's going to be Robert Sala. I, I know he's the hot, the hottest name for head coaching candidate, but like I mentioned, he fits here in so many football ways, even before you consider the family and stuff and the fact that he has ties here. Uh, he fits from a football perspective better in Detroit than in any other place. So he would be my pick, and he's the guy I think they target. Yeah, I think they're going to go after him hard. He'll definitely get an interview. Uh, and and the other thing with him is if if Bevel continues to work out well, which he is, he's 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 showing that he's a decent coach in terms of at least being an offensive coordinator, in my opinion. Uh, and and if the Lions decide to retain him, obviously there's some history there between Sala and and, and Bevel. Um, I mean, there's there's just so much. This it, it's almost perfect if they decide to go certain ways, no matter which way they go, Sala is kind of just perfect for this team. So I think that's probably what they're going to do. But at the same time, for me, I've always said that I want somebody young and that's, you know, I know Braden Coombs isn't going to be a head coach of the lions, but he will be a head coach someday. It's going to happen. But I, I, I think the lions need to go with one of these young guys, like, a, you know, Kingsbury and, and Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay, the young guys seem to have fresh ideas and the young guys seem to be doing all the things that these old guys who are just not doing uh, unless you're Andy Reid. So well, I went and looked I, up that's just my the, the last time, the last time the lions hired somebody who wasn't an established coordinator an actual NFL coordinator 
was like 1985. They hired somebody from the college ranks. Um, so it's been a long time since the Lions haven't rubber banded between offensive and defensive coordinators. So if the Lions get Sala, they're already breaking that trend because they're going defense to defense. They haven't done that in decades. Uh, if they did break that even further and went for a younger college guy, I would be totally behind that decision. I'd, I'd rather yeah. have that. Um, I don't think they should I, keep I, I, in, in any case, though. I disagree completely with almost everything you said. <laughs> no, well, no, I'm not saying that that they, that they should keep Bevel. I, I'm saying there's a good chance that they 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 might because I, I there's certainly a. There's certainly a rapport there between him and Matthew Stafford, yeah. and, and the offense has been working better. I don't I, look. I don't think anybody besides Brandon Cooks <laughs> is going to say. Yeah. I, let me just put that out there. Nobody's saying unless Brayden, <laughs> uh, other than Braden Cooks. Um, but yes, uh, I think the more paramount thing that they're looking for is is, is GM with experience, and uh, and and what do you think of this this guy from Houston that they're going to uh, uh, interview this week? Rick Smith, Rick Smith has been around for a little while. He's very high variance with his picks. He's nailed almost all of his first round picks, right? Um, you know, he, he picked up JJ Watt. He picked up, uh, God, I'm blanking on the quarterback's name. How do you blank on a quarterback's name? Deshaun Watson. Ha! Ah, for crying out loud, Deshaun Watson. <laughs> Oh, he's only one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I'm going to retire. I, I have to retire. <laughs> Um, he's got an elite Raz. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, but, but how many how many second and third round guys can you name from Rick Smith and, and in his tenure that have worked out properly for the team? He he's he's very similar to uh, in that way to Martin Mayhew and the the later part of uh, of Matt Millen's era, which was mostly Martin Mayhew. Um, where he's very good at identifying the obvious talents, right? The guys that are the guys that are out there that you can be like, that's that's somebody that can be in, in front of a, a team and, and lead. But once you get in the okay, now I got to find some of those hidden traits. I got to know how to, me- to evaluate risk and and take some of those things into consideration. Smith struggled with that, and actually, even using the guys he hits on, Deshaun Watson struggled with injuries. JJ Watt, as awesome as he is, has struggled with injuries in his career. Um, you know, being able to weigh those risks is very, very difficult as a general manager. And it's it's an unheralded skill to be able to do so well. And I think that's the issue that, that Smith had, is being able to weigh those risks well. Um, and God forbid in 2022, right, because that's the next time we're drafting a running back in the first two rounds, um, we get another – another injured guy you know i i don't want to see that again i think we're i think we're done with that i'm done with that. okay we'll see what happens i think deandre swift is going to be good to go for a while but uh, we'll see all right all right we gotta all right we gotta go to the next segment here uh we're gonna put you through the lightning round on the other side of the break uh we'll be right back Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, welcome back 
to man coverage. Got Kent Lee Platt today, the Raz man himself. We're going to put you through the lightning round. Now, you've listened to the show before. It's 10 questions. It's entertainment. It's sports. It's food. It's apparel. It's, it's, it's life. It's theory. theory. It's all that. It's it, the theory of man. We're going to go through all of it here. I uh, put everyone through it, and they've all survived. Are you ready? Always ready. All right. Here we go. <clears throat> who's, uh, uh, who's your favorite football player of all time? Of all time, Stephen Tolick. Stephen Tolick. That is a very interesting choice. Love Stephen. Uh, most people are saying Barry Sanders and uh, you oh, know Barry. guys like that. Stephen Tolick. Stephen Tolick. Care to I elaborate? Cried. I cried when he left. Um, Stephen Tolick is is the ultimate underdog. You, you you always hear underdog stories about guys that that have everything kind of thrown against them and have to overcome all those odds. Stephen Tolick was too small to play college football. He was too small to play football in the SEC. He was too tall to get drafted. He was too tall or too tall, too small to start in the NFL. And he did all of those things. And there's some really cool stories about his recruiting process before he, he went to college at, at, uh, in, at NC state. Yeah. Um, about Florida and Florida state who he wanted to go to. Um, but he, he overcame all of that. He was drafted by Jim Schwartz in the fourth or fifth round. I'm, I'm blanking on that right now. Um, but he was also told like Jim Schwartz totally believed in it, man. He was like, look, I see in you that you have what it takes to be a starting player in the NFL. And I want to give you that opportunity. And then he did until it became a starter almost immediately. And he played extremely well for many years. I was thrilled when he came to Detroit. I, as I said, I cried when he left. He was, he's, he is one of my very top list of my favorite players ever. I love Steven Tillett. And a great guy to boot. I mean, just a very nice guy, good human being. Um, all right, so what are you watching right now? What are you streaming on Netflix or Hulu, HBO Max? What's your show? What's your show? Everything. So I, I'm very. I'm doing a lot of film study right now, so it's a lot of football. Um, I break that up with tons of different shows because I love watching movies and I love watching TV shows. Um, I've been watching Dogs of Berlin on Netflix. It's a, a crime drama. It's set in Germany. Uh, I'm watching The 3%, which I believe is out of Brazil, um, which is a, a dystopian uh, action drama type show. Uh, a lot of foreign stuff because it's great. Uh, we just finished watching the second season of Kingdom, which if you haven't watched it, you're missing out. A great Korean zombie horror uh, period piece. Um, what else am I watching right now? Um, we're watching, we, we're in the last episode of Teenage Bounty Hunters, which has been a lot of fun, way more fun than I expected okay. a show that has that premise and is Nate is called that would have, um, gosh, lots of stuff. I love my shows. Love my stories. Yeah. No, I have, who does not I got to get into that Teenage Bounty Hunters show on Netflix. I definitely have been eyeballing it. We're, we're going to watch the flight attendant on HBO max. We're going to start that today we'll see how that goes i'll report to you later on it uh backstreet boys are insane backstreet boys yeah really okay yeah. all right yeah. that's not that's for fine. any particular reason I, I just i just don't really care for either of them all that much um i'm i'm an old school uh i you know i, I talk about music all the time and i'm i'm an old school motown type i love i love yes. my my proper good music um, you know, F, all music is formulaic in some way, shape or form, but music that's built entirely from a formula is, is just too much for me. But if you're going to do it, I mean, just go full out, man. J just make it the formula. Don't do anything fun or exciting. Just make it boring, drone into the background garbage and, and move with that. Care, care to dazzle us with some of your uh, Motown picks or your Motown selections? Like songs or artists? So artists, of course, artists. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, you're talking about Motown. You're talking about you know Marvin Gaye and guys like that. Oh, yeah. I, I, it's not just it's not just the Motown guys. It's it's guys of the soul the soul era this, in the uh, sure. 50s, 60s, early 70s. Um, I talk about Sam Cooke all the time. We just passed the anniversary of him dying um, a couple days ago. Uh, Sam Cooke is the greatest of all time. If you haven't listened to Sam Cooke's music, music recently, you should. There's there's Sam Cooke for everything. Um, 
Uh, Otis Redding also passed the anniversary of his death. It was only a day before that. Um, Otis Redding is amazing. You should listen to Otis Redding more. Um, and if you're not listening to that, I mean, very musical taste. Go out and listen to some punk. I've been listening to some uh, Darina Harvey band, which is not a band that I thought I would like all that much. It's very loud and boisterous, very uh, Irish punk sound to it. But you sing all those songs, whether you want to or not. So I recommend that for right now, especially if you're in your car and you have a loud speaker system and you have no qualms about singing your heart out to some random shit about being a pirate in Canada. Um, <laughs> it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm I'm right with I'm right there with you. Otis Redding is is probably my favorite singer of all time. Um, I mean, I, I love his, I celebrate his entire catalog. Uh, I, I mean, to give you a quick story, when, when I was having, before my back surgery, I had to get an MRI. So they put you in this small little tube for anybody who's never had an MRI. Uh, the only thing that would calm me during that time was listening to Otis Redding. They allowed me to have headphones in there and I put on some Otis and that made me feel a lot better. Uh, I mean, I was still stuffed in a tube, which I didn't like, but at least I was a little bit more calm. But yeah, I, you know, I, I love that old soul stuff. And, and, and obviously Sam Cook wrote probably one of the greatest songs of all time and a change is going to come. Um, I, I, if you're not listening to this stuff, you've got to get out there and listen to this. I mean, I, <laughs> go to the seventies too. I mean, you can't go wrong with Teddy Pendergrass and, uh, and, and, you know, Barry White, some old stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's all so, so good. Love it hits music. different, man. It just hits different. It really does. It, it, it really does. I mean, it's the kind of stuff that, like, it, you can't help but move in your car. I mean, you feel it in your stomach. You know, it's, 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 it's jams, man. It's, it's, it's all jams. Uh, dogs or cats? Oh, I, I dislike cats. I love dogs. I'm a huge dog person. Okay. Yeah. We've seen a lot of dog people on here. I'm also a dog person, uh, but I do love my cat. I do love my cat. Uh, Kyle, my cat loves me very sternly with his cat. Uh, What's your favorite movie? Oh God. My favorite movie is not a good movie. My favorite movie is an awful movie. Uh, It's called you're the hunter from the future. Uh, It is a dumpster fire of a movie. Uh, it stars Red Brown. It's from it's from the 80s during the, the schlock movie periods. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Red Brown is one of the greatest B-movie actors of all time in that nothing he is in is good. It's all awful. Um, but if you want to see Captain America steal a car, uh, you can go watch Red Brown as Captain America stealing a car, which is not something you think Captain America would do. Uh, but you're the hunter from the future is that's that's a twist in the movie that he's from the future. Like he's a barbarian, like Conan type crap. Um, and then he's, he fights dinosaurs and giant bats and cavemen and things. And then you find out he's actually in the future. I'm not ruining it. They put it in the title. Um, <laughs> but it is an it is okay. a horror show of a movie as far as quality. Um, my favorite scene in that movie, he pulls out his bow. I'm not even sure he had a bow before then, but he, he does now. And he shoots uh, a giant bat. There were no giant bats in this movie before this scene. Um, the bat falls and he grabs it and he uses it like a hang glider. And he flies into this cave and drop kicks a purple caveman while his theme song plays, which is yours world. He's the man. Um, and it is, it is a glorious, horrible movie. And if you are ever out and just want to watch some random shit and have a good time, have a couple of beers and watch your, the hunter from the future, you won't regret it or you will the entire runtime. (laughs) All right. That's, uh, that's, I'm going to watch that. I did not expect that one. So we'll we'll go with that. Yeah. You're the, what is it again? You're the, you're the hunter from the future. You're the hunter from the future. Uh, Okay. So each week I put my uh, guests through a scenario and Kent, you'll be no different. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you, I like to do, I like, I like, 28 seconds a lot. I don't know why. I feel really good about 28 seconds. So I'm going to give you 28 seconds. You're going to have no timeouts. 28 seconds. You're on your own 
you're on your own 30 and you've got the Jarvis Landry era Miami Dolphins. <laughs> I believe that's Ryan Tannehill. Uh, okay. How are you going to win this game? You're down six, 28 seconds on your 30. Jarvis Landry, Ryan Tannehill, no timeouts. How are you going to win? Uh, you're going to run as many slants as you can in 28 seconds. You're just going to run slants and hope that he can break free at least once. Uh, and then on your last play, you're going to do one of those uh, miracle plays where it's just 45 different laterals, hoping that one of these people is going to get free. And that's it. Uh, if you don't have speed, that's all you got to rely on is you got to hope that your yak guy can get open. Uh, and if you can't, then you're just hoping for some luck. Oh, so you probably so you're going to lose. Is what's going to happen? Probably. Okay. I mean, if I'm, if I'm sitting on the thirty with with that that team, I'm probably going to lose anyway. All right, fair enough. Uh, so, if you could be a pro athlete, what sport would you play? If I could be a pro athlete, what's one where you don't get hit? So I'm I break very easily. So whichever one you don't get basketball player. Yeah. Yeah. I could flop. I could flop with the best of them, man. I would be a great, great at flopping. I could do that, but I'm also like five, eight. And you know, that's, that's not great for basketball. Curling in this world. In this, in this world, you get to be whatever height you want to be. And uh, you know, (laughs) I know nothing about basketball. So I, as long as I won't get hurt, I'll do that one whatever one my body will hold up best i want to walk away from the sport sure okay basketball it is your knees are going to be shot for a long time but other than that you'll be good i'm a uh, developer and my knees are going to be shot shit if I, at least i'll get paid better <laughs> no, right uh what's your go-to pizza toppings uh i like uh pepperoni and hamburger i, I don't have a very varied palate when it comes to pizza i love i love the simple stuff Pepperoni and hamburger. I don't think I've ever had hamburger on pizza. I'm going to have to try that. Good. Uh, Nike or Adidas? Um, probably Adidas. I, I was I, I grew up fairly poor, so it was whatever off-brand we'd have, like Likey or whatever. You know, we'd have whatever oh. off-brand crap we could get. Um, but I did have a really nice pair of Adidas when I was in the Navy, so I'll go with that one. All right. We'll take it. All right, Kent, final question of the day. You know exactly what that question is, and uh, you know how important it is to me. Uh, are quarterback wins real? I mean, people track them, so they exist as a number you can quantify. Uh, as far as whether they're a number that holds value, no, not remotely. No, not at all. Okay. Flat out say that they're fake. Just tell me they're fake. Lie to me, Kent. <laughs> I mean, people, quarterback wins is a stat. So you can't say quarterback wins is not a stat, but quarterback wins is not a meaningful stat. Okay. That's, that's the easiest way to put that. All right. I'll take it. I'll take it. All right, Kent. Well, I appreciate you being on today and, uh, we're, we're, we're always happy to see you around whenever we can. And I know you're still in the slack with us, so uh, you, you never truly left, but uh, is there anything you want to plug before we get out of here? Um, no, not at the moment other than the, the mock draft simulator pro football network has a mock draft simulator. I do a lot of the stuff in the behind the scenes, as I mentioned, I've been running simulators all day for it. Um, so if you feel like going out and playing general manager and seeing what you can do for the lions, go out. It's, it's just pro football network uh, slash mock draft. Uh, and and try your best. Let me know what you get. Go go post it to me on Twitter at MathBomb, uh, and let me know what you did for our team because I'm I'm running through stuff right now, doing some doing some studies. So give me your give me your best stuff, guys. Yeah, guy, I guys, I played with this thing last year. It it is so much fun. Uh, and I'm not a draft guy at all. It, I mean, I'm pretty sure it even says it in my Twitter bio. I'm not a draft guy. Uh, but this is a lot of fun to do that. So definitely go check that out and uh, check out anything Kent's doing at Pro, Fall, Pro Football Network. And definitely go search for Math Bomb on Twitter. Always got some good stuff to look at. Uh, again, Kent, uh, I'm glad uh, to see you. Glad to have you as a friend and, uh, and a co-worker. And uh, thanks for joining us. And thanks to everybody who listened this week. <laughs>